We've got a God who will never give up on us. He is the God of the lost cause. He is the God of the hopeless case. He's the God of the second chance because he is the God of amazing grace, isn't he? He loves you so much. He's got a word for you today. He wants to speak right into your heart, something that you need, that I need. And here's the amazing thing. He personalizes it. It always amazes me because he'll take his word that goes out for all of us, and then he'll bring it right into your heart, right where you're at. And he'll tell you exactly what you need to know, what you need to do. He'll give you a word, and and you'll feel like, Pastor Kerry, how did you know what I was going through? And I'll say, I had no clue, but God did. God did. And whenever I come out here to preach, I always get on my knees right backstage and right before I come out and go, God, I want you to speak your word through me because I can't change one life. But Lord, your word speaks right to me and speaks right to everyone within the sound of my voice. And his word is life changing. I believe God is gonna change us today because when we put God's word into our heart, It changes us, and then we step out in faith, and we see that God is real. I know God knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through, and he's got a word for you today. Do you believe that, Woodlands Church? Yeah. Let's pray together. Dear God, I do thank you that you're real and that you're so powerful, and yet you love us so much. So I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us right where we're at. Lord, we all need encouragement. We all need a reminder of your goodness and your love. And Lord, I know that so many times during the week we forget about it. We don't really stay connected the way we should with you. But I thank you, Lord, that you love us anyway. And you draw us back to yourself because everything else we do, everything else we try, leaves us empty. So I pray that you would speak to everyone, Lord, who's worshiping online, everyone, Lord, here at the Woodlands campus or at Tascacita campus, exactly what they need today so they will know you're real, that you love them, and you have the power to meet their needs. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Are you at a place in some area of your life that you don't wanna be? Maybe it's a place of pain that you're ready to be out of. Maybe you're stuck in a place filled with the problem. You're just ready to be done with it. Maybe it's a place of confusion and conflict or a place of despair or a place of depression or a place of anxiety and fear. Maybe you find yourself today in a place that you never expected you would be, but you're there. You're right in that place. And it's a place so painful that nothing seems to make sense and you can't see a way out of it. Are you in a place of pain in some area of your life that you're ready to be out of? I call it the place of in-between. It's in-between where you used to be and where you want to be. And you're thinking, maybe I'll never get to where I want to be. Really, most of life, folks, is lived in the place of in-between. And we hate that place of in-between because it's a place of uncertainty. We're uncertain about how long we'll be in that painful place. We're uncertain if we'll ever get out of that place. But today I want you to see that this place of in-between is where God gives his greatest blessings and teaches us his greatest lessons. 
The place of uncertainty is where we learn that God is faithful. It's in the place that feels so bad where we learn that God is good. It's in the place of in between that we discover God's greatest miracles in our lives. So whatever place you find yourself in today, you're in the place where you can experience God's greatest blessings. And we're in this series heading up to Easter on how to experience God's goodness in uncertain times. And it really comes down to embracing the place you find yourself in today. So how do you embrace the place of in-between? Because you can hate the place and still embrace the place. Because if you don't embrace the place of in-between, you'll race right past the place and you'll miss the miracle God wants to give you. You'll miss the powerful lesson that God wants to teach you. So today, we're going to look at how to embrace the place. And we're looking at Moses in the Old Testament because Moses was called to be the great deliverer, to deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt, but he fails miserably. He ends up in the desert, and that was Moses' place of in-between. He finds himself in the desert for years tending sheep, and that was the lowest job in that day, being a shepherd. But God shows up in his place of in-between and he meets him through a burning bush, and it changes everything in Moses' life. And I believe with all my heart, God wants to show up right now in your place of in-between, and he wants you to embrace the place so you can experience him today, right now. God wants to show up for you today right in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your uncertainty, and give you his miracle. So today, we're gonna look at how to embrace the place so we don't miss the miracle. So I want you to look at Exodus chapter three, and would you stand in honor of God's word? And Moses was doing his daily job of tending the sheep, thinking that God had forgotten him. He'd been doing that for years. He'd given up all hope of being the great deliverer. He was the prince of Egypt at one time. He was called to be the great deliverer, to deliver his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He fails miserably and he's given up hope. Every day he just tends the sheep out in the desert. But God hadn't forgotten him. God shows up in his place of in-between through this burning bush. And in Exodus 3, verse 3, it says, So he thought, why isn't this bush burning up? I must go over there and see this strange sight. When the Lord saw that Moses had come over to see it, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses answered, here I am. And God said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because this place where you're standing is holy ground. You can be seated. So God meets Moses right there in his place of in-between. And he says, Moses, I want you to know the place of in-between is holy ground because I'm here. He says, Moses, right where you're standing, right where you are right now, it's holy ground. Have you ever been to a place that's considered sacred ground? If you've ever been to Glacier National Park in Montana, those are lands that the Blackfeet tribe consider sacred. Chris and I have been to Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. It's the Temple Mount. It's considered sacred by the Jews because it's the place where the temple once stood. It's sacred ground. And of course, it's also sacred to Muslims because the Dome of the Rock Shrine and Al-Aqsa Mosque is on Mount Moriah there. Gettysburg National Cemetery, which is one of my places that 
you know, I, I love to visit. It's just so moving. But that battlefield and that cemetery is considered sacred ground. Of course, from July 1st to July 3rd, 1863, the fields of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania were the site of the bloodiest battle in U.S. history. Over 50,000 casualties, 50,000 in the Battle of Gettysburg. And right after the battle, those rolling hills and the peach orchards and that peaceful little town of Gettysburg weren't considered sacred ground. No, in fact, it was horrific ground. People looked out and they saw unimaginable carnage, death and destruction all around. It was considered anything but sacred ground. But just a few months later, standing on the same ground, President Lincoln uttered 275 words that turned that place from hellish ground to hallowed ground. Through the Gettysburg Address that lasted three minutes, just three minutes, some of you wish you had a pastor that would preach three minutes and it would be that good. I wish that for you. That's never gonna happen. 270, and by the way, did you know that they had a pastor there who was the main speaker and Lincoln would just kind of give a, a few words, you know, president there, and then this great orator of the day, he was a pastor. He goes on for like an hour and a half and no one remembers one word that he said. That's sad to me, that's sad. But in just three minutes, Lincoln's words turned what had been a place of horror into hallowed ground. Now Moses didn't realize that he was on holy ground at first. He thought he was on God-forsaken ground. He thought God had totally forgotten him. He thought as he looked around the desert, he was on desolate ground. He used to live in the palace and now he's living in the desert. He thought it was hopeless ground. But God shows up and he turns it from hopeless ground into holy ground. He says, Moses, the place of in between is holy ground. It's sacred because I'm here. God speaks a few words and turns that place of hopeless ground into holy ground. And I want you to know today, you may feel like your feet are standing on shaky ground. Maybe you feel like you're standing on uncertain ground, anxious ground, not knowing what's going to happen next. Maybe you feel like you're standing on fearful ground. Or maybe you feel like you're standing on lonely ground and you feel all alone today in your pain. Or maybe you feel like you're on hopeless ground. I want you to know God shows up right in your place of in-between and says, you're not standing on hopeless ground, you're standing on holy ground. God says, I'm here in your place of in-between. I wanna turn it from desolate ground into divine ground. You're standing on holy ground. Why? Because God is there, and he can take any ground you're standing on and turn it into holy ground. God shows up greatest in the place of in-between. God works his greatest miracles in the place of in-between. That's why you can't look past it. You've got to embrace the place or you'll miss the miracle. So how do you embrace the place? Because you don't wanna waste the place. You don't wanna waste the pain. You know, in the last lines of the Gettysburg Address, President Lincoln said these words. We here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. He was saying, we're not gonna let those who have died die in vain. He was saying, we're not gonna let the pain be in vain. 
And the reason why we have to embrace the place of in-between is because you don't want to go through the pain in vain. You embrace the place so you don't waste the place. And so many times I waste that place. And instead of getting better and growing in the Lord, I get frustrated. I get stuck. You know, we get bitter. We move away from the Lord. And God says, I want you to learn what I have for you in this place. Because this place is holy ground. It may not feel holy. It may feel like hard ground, but it's holy ground. Hard isn't the opposite of good. It feels like that we've been trained, even Christ followers have been trained to think if it's hard, it must not be of God. Hard's not the opposite of good. So many times the hardest things in our lives that we would never choose to go through become the greatest miracles in our lives as we see that God is faithful. It may be painful, but it's purposeful. God is a purpose and God is a plan. So how do I embrace the place? Let's go back again to Moses in Exodus chapter four, verse two. So the Lord asked him, what are you holding? A walking stick, he answered. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. When Moses threw it down, it turned into a snake and he ran away from it. So God asked Moses, hey, what's that you're holding on to? And God knew what it was, but he wanted Moses to answer. And Moses said, oh, this? This is just a walking stick. I mean, I found this out in the desert several years ago, and I've been whittling on it ever since, and kind of proud of it because I made it into a shepherd's staff. And I use it every day in my work, but it's no big deal. It's just a walking stick, a shepherd's staff. And God says, well, if it's no big deal, then throw it on the ground, surrender it, give it to me. You see, I think that shepherd's staff was one of Moses' last possessions on earth because he had lost everything. He was no longer in the palace. He was in the desert, in the wilderness, tending sheep. But at least he had this staff that he had made. Maybe it represented the last part of his dignity. I don't believe he wanted to give it up at first. You see, I believe God was saying to him, Moses, I want you to surrender everything you have to me because I love you. I want you to learn to trust me with everything in your life, the most important things to the least important things. I want you to surrender everything to me, the big things, the little things. I want you to give everything to me because it's only when you surrender everything to me that you can experience my power, my peace, and my provision in your life. And the first thing you have to do in the place of uncertainty is to learn to let go. And that can be the hardest thing that we ever learn. You embrace the place by surrendering to God's power. The only way to experience joy in the in-between is when you come to that place of surrender and you give up and you give everything to the Lord and you say, God, it's yours. I can't do this anymore. I can't control this anymore. I'm worn out. And God looked right into Moses' heart and he said, what are you holding on to? He knew what it was. What are you holding on to too tightly? And God looks right into your heart and he asks you, what are you holding on to too tightly? He knows what it is. He just wants you to recognize it. God looks right into my heart and he says, what are you holding on to so tightly? Oh, this God, well, it's no big deal. Well, then throw it on the ground. God asked us to surrender everything to him because he knows what's best for us. He knows what we need and he wants us to learn to trust him with every area of our lives. He also knows when we're holding on to something too tightly, we can never be at peace. We can never experience joy in that place of in-between. 
We can never embrace the place and experience God's miracle when we're holding on to something too tightly. So what is it that you're holding on to too tightly? Is it a business? Is it that relationship that you're trying to control, but you're just crushing the life out of it? What is it that you're holding on to? Is it your finances? What is it that you're holding on to and you're afraid to trust God with? Because we all have those things. It's like, God, this is so important to me. God says, you can trust me with it. Throw it down. You'll never experience the miracle until you come to that place where you say, God, I give this to you. I can't fix this. I can't control it anymore. I'm worn out. Is it a problem that you're trying to fix in your own strength, but it's just wearing you out? It's crushing the life out of you. Is it something you're holding on to that's holding you? You can't break free from it, and you're still trying to, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to do it with willpower, and your willpower doesn't work because you need God's power, and you've got to throw it down. It's time to throw it down. It's time. It's time to give it to God. He loves you so much, and he says, just give it over to me, surrender it to me, and I'll take care of it because I care about you. Well, Moses, let's go. He gives it over to God, and he starts to embrace the place. It's in the place of in-between where you surrender all to God, and you find everything that you've ever needed. That's the amazing thing. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. He'll give you the things that you really need, the things that you truly long for, all the things that you have been longing for, all the things that you have been desiring for, that you've been striving for, that's always just out of your reach, that you're worried about, that you're anxious for. When you surrender, God gives you all the things that you long for, all the things that you truly need because so many of our desires they come from a good place, but we try to fulfill them in the wrong way, and it leaves us even more empty, and it's devastating. But that's just that desire for God that God placed in your heart. All those things that we strive for, when we surrender it all to God, we find everything we need. Do you remember Abraham? God promised Abraham he'd be the father of a great nation, but... He and his wife, Sarah, hadn't had a child for years. They were way past childbearing years. But God had made them this promise. You'd be the father of a great nation, but they didn't have one child. But God worked a miracle in their old age. They had a son, Isaac, a miracle of God. But then one day, God told Abraham, I want you to take Isaac to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him on the altar. God had promised Abraham he would be the father of a great nation. And then God works this miracle, gives him a son, and he's so grateful to God, but then God said, now I want you to sacrifice your son. Doesn't make any sense. But Abraham, by this time, took him a long time to learn it. Abraham, by this time, had stopped trying to control everything, and he knew about God's goodness. Abraham was so convinced of God's goodness and his power and his graciousness that he just obeyed. He started taking his son up to Mount Moriah, where the temple would later be built and one day will be rebuilt again. That sacred place. He starts taking his son up to Mount Moriah and as they're on the way, little Isaac says, Dad, we've got everything for the sacrifice, but where is the animal for the sacrifice? And Abraham just says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. 
And so as Abraham is walking up to Mount Moriah and he's on his way with his son, he just keeps saying, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And scripture later tells us that Abraham believed that God would raise his son from the dead if that's what he had to do. But Abraham said, I just have to obey him because God knows what's best. And he's a good God. And I've tried to control everything for a long time and mess things up. But I've learned now God's in control. I can't even imagine what this loving father was thinking. And he takes his son up to Mount Moriah and then he places him on the altar and he takes out the knife and as soon as he does, God stops him. And look what God says to him in this passage in Genesis chapter 22. We see the God who provides because God provided for Abraham. Look at it with me. In Genesis 22, verse 12, Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will provide. And the Lord provided. So there on Mount Moriah, God provides. You see, when you surrender everything to God, he provides exactly what you need. The Lord will provide. And by the way, that word, the Lord will provide, is one of God's names. And it's Jehovah Jireh. Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. So I have to learn to let go in the place of in between. And uh, Moses surrenders his staff and it turns into a snake. And then God says, pick it up. But Moses run away in fear. But give Moses credit. He comes back and when he comes back, Moses is ready. He comes back and God tells him something pretty crazy. God says to him in that passage, look at it with me. God tells him, Moses, pick up the snake. So Moses reached down and took hold of the snake and it turned into a staff in his hand. Now, can you imagine? You're not supposed to pick up a snake. You're not supposed to pick up a snake by the tail. But he picks up the snake and he trusts God, probably thinking he's about to die. And he takes hold of the snake and it turns back into a staff. He obeyed God. He surrenders to God. He took over the snake. It turned back into a staff. So we're to surrender everything to God and let go. And then you take hold of all that God has for you. When Moses picked up that snake, it turned into a staff, but it was no longer an ordinary walking stick. It was no longer an ordinary shepherd's staff. For God changed it into the staff of Almighty God, the same staff that Moses would later raise up and the sea would split in two and the people would walk across on dry land. The staff that he would touch the Nile River with and it would turn to blood. The staff that he would raise above the enemies of God and Israel would get the victory. You see, that was no longer this old walking stick. It was now the staff of Almighty God. And that's what God does when we surrender something to him. If it's a house, he starts using it for his purpose. It becomes God's house. He uses it for his glory and his purpose, and he blesses us through it. 
When we give something over to God, he changes it. A business is no longer a business. It's a place where God is glorified, where people's needs are met, where God works in lives, and it brings resources for God's kingdom. When you give something over to God, he takes the ego out of it, and he takes over and puts purpose into it. And that's what he did with Moses. That ordinary walking stick became the great, almighty staff of God. And God wants us to let go and give it to him. Because when you give something over to God, he either gives it back to you with a whole new purpose, a whole new meaning, a whole new joy, or he gives you something better. We have to trust him with it. Sometimes we don't see that it's better. Sometimes it feels painful, but God has a purpose. He always has a plan. He's a good God that we can trust and we can surrender our lives to him. But once we surrender, then we're to take hold of all that God has for us. And I believe with all my heart, it's time to take hold. It's time to surrender and let go, but it's time to take hold. You let go of everything that you're holding. You let go of everything that's holding you back so you can take hold of all that God has for you. You see, you can't take hold of all that God has for you when you're holding too tightly things that don't matter or you're holding too tightly the things that you care about the most that are so precious to you. When you give it over to God, the burden is lifted and he fills you with a new love and a new care. And it's time for some of you to let go and to take hold of God's promises and to stop living in fear and to live in faith. It's time for some of you to take hold of God's blessings that he has for you. He's waiting for you to take hold of them, but you can't take hold of them when you're holding on to everything else. You gotta let go to take hold of God's promises. You take hold of God's blessings, you take hold of the grace of God, and you breathe and live in his grace, in his peace, in his purpose. It's time to take hold, Woodland Church, and we're going to take hold of all that God has for us as a church. We need God's love to take hold of this world because that's what this world needs, Jesus Christ. See, Moses was supposed to be the great deliverer, but he ended up in the desert in the place of in-between. He was there in the desert for years, tending sheep, feeling that God had forgotten him and that God was a million miles away and could never use him again. But God meets him right there in the place of in-between through a burning bush. And I believe God wants to meet you right where you're at. God wants to meet you right where you are and give you a burning bush experience so that you will never be the same again. And he asks us the same things. Hey, let go and take hold. God wants to meet you in your place of in-between. You have to realize in the desert, Moses didn't know he was in that place of in-between. He thought he was in the place of, it's all over. He thought he was in the place of no hope. He thought God had forgotten about him. It's like, God, you've forgotten all about me. You can never use me again. You're not even part of my life anymore. But he wasn't in the place of no hope. Moses wasn't in the place of it's all over. He was just in the place of in between, just where God wanted him to be. Even though he had made a mess of things, God still had him in the place that he wanted him to be to experience a miracle because it's in the place of in between where God gets our attention. So we'll turn to him. Usually it takes the place of in between when we think it's the place of it's all over and that's where God gets our attention and turns us to him. And maybe today you feel like you're in the place of it's all over, that God has forgotten you, 
that God's a million miles away, that God will never use you again, that God has put you on the shelf. I just wanna say to you, if you're in the place of no hope, you feel like you're in this place of no hope, I want you to know you're not in the place of no hope. You're not in the place of it's all over. You're just in the place of in between. And folks, most of life is lived in the place of in between. That's why we need to embrace the place we're in. Because if you don't embrace the place, you're going to miss God. Most of life is lived in the place of in between, in the tensions of life. We miss the miracle in the moment because we're always thinking, if I could just get out of this place, then everything's gonna be great. If I can just get through this season, then everything will be smooth sailing. And we miss our burning bush experience. We miss God's miracle. We miss the work that God wants to do in our lives. Most of us think that problems are bad and we wanna get rid of those problems. Many times God wants to get rid of those problems in our lives, he wants us to pray. But I've found that most of the things we think are problems are really just tensions to be managed. We may never figure it out here on this earth, but God gives us peace in the middle of it. And the more you try to manage it, or the more you try to control it and get it out of your life, and don't realize that God's got that in your life to grow you, to teach you important lessons so that you can experience his blessings, you'll always be stressed out and anxious and overwhelmed. But I want you to look at Moses again just to remind you of something really important. Moses, when he saw the burning bush, God tells him in verse five, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. God says to you today, embrace the place where I have you because you're on holy ground. But you're saying it looks like uncertain ground to me. This is the most painful, most hurtful ground I've ever been on. I hate this place, but God says this hurtful ground is holy ground. I'm going to set you apart, Moses, and that's what he says to you today. I'm gonna set apart this place where you're at right now and do something great in your life, right in this place. That's what holy means, set apart, and God says, I'm setting apart this place as the place of purpose and miracle. God says it may be the most painful place you've ever been, but you need to realize you're in a sacred place. It's a place of miracles. It's a place of life change. It's the place where you experience my power and presence the most. And God says to Moses, I want you to take off your shoes and stay a while. Stop trying to race past this place and just stay a while. Take a deep breath, Moses. Embrace the place because you're in a place of healing, a place where you're meeting with me. I wanna heal your deepest wounds and truly make you into the man I created you to be. So today, don't run past the place of healing. Let God show you the places in your life where you need healing, where you need restoration. Embrace the opportunity you're in right now. Embrace the opportunity that pain in your life is giving you right now. The opportunity to sit with God, to not run from the pain, to not let it push you into things that are harmful, but let it push you toward God who loves you and wants to restore your soul. You're on holy ground, you're on healing ground. God wants to say to you today, stop, just rest. And I say, but God, I hate this place. I hate this place. And God says, that's okay, I get it. And I pour it out to God, but then he turns me and I say, God, I hate this place, I don't wanna be here. 
I want to be out of it. Please take me out of this place. Do you know Jesus even said that to his father? When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, three times he said, God, if you could just take this cup from me. I don't like this place. The human, oh, Jesus was all human and all God and that humanity in him. God, I don't like this place. But not my will, but your will be done because you know what's best. It's like, God, I hate this place, but I'm gonna embrace the place by admitting I know that you have me here for a reason. I may not understand it, and I'm gonna be looking for your miracle. I'm gonna be looking for your blessing. And I also know it's the place of in-between. It's the place of in-between. I know you're gonna bring me out of this place in your timing. This is holy ground, healing ground. I believe with all my heart, our campuses at Woodland Church are holy ground. Not because they're buildings, not because it's where we meet, it's because God is here when we meet. God is here because Christ followers are here. It's holy ground, and God is in your home. If you're a Christ follower, your home is holy ground. He changes every ordinary place into an extraordinary place. It's holy ground. And Woodland Church is a place of hope. Woodland Church is a place of healing. Woodland Church is a place that points people to heaven. And that's what we're gonna be doing at Easter. Two weekends from today will be Easter Sunday. And I am so excited about it because this place, these campuses, I believe with all my heart, are places of hope, healing, and places that point people to heaven. Miracles happen in this place. Miracles happen on our campuses. Miracles happen in the homes and apartments of those who connect online. Why? Because God is there. And so this Easter, two weeks from today, let's get people to the place. Let's connect people to the place. Let's invite them to the party and connect them to the family because it's a place of life change because Jesus is here. In fact, we're gonna start our Easter services on Good Friday. We have so many services at our campuses and I have put in your hands today this little card. It has three invitations. Invite someone to Easter. Help them embrace the place. If you invite a loved one, a friend, a neighbor, I'm telling you, more than likely they're gonna come. And when they come, it's gonna be such a powerful, creative service that's gonna lift up Jesus Christ and show them how they can have resurrection in their life, how they can break free from some of the things that they're stuck in because of the resurrection. Get them here. And we need you to serve at a service. I mean, every one of you. We're gonna have 40,000 people coming through and we need everyone who's a regular attender to serve at a service just to help out with the kids and, or to drive a tram. I, I mean, unless you're on drugs, don't, don't volunteer for that. You could probably greet people, but I don't, no, I'm teasing. We'll love you, but no, you can't drive a tram. Um, but we need people to greet and then just say, hey, if you only come once a year, you think the roof's gonna fall in? Nah, we love you. We wanna be Jesus to people, and so invite them, serve. This is so important, because we can bring people to heaven with us and I'm telling you, it's gonna be amazing. Friday at seven, we have our uh, first service. They're all pretty much the same service, but Friday, the first service, we're gonna have communion during the service. Friday, Good Friday communion, right in the middle of the Easter service. It's gonna be so creative of a service. Then Saturday, we have five and 7 p.m., and I really encourage you to come to 
a Friday night or one of the Saturday services. We have Easter egg hunts all around them. And then Sunday morning, we have a 7 a.m. sunrise service out on the plaza. It's amazing. I think there were like 700 people last year at the sunrise service. And then we have 9.30, 11.30, and 1.30. And 9.30 and 11.30, we always have a huge overflow like we did last year. And I know this year we'll have even more in the overflow. So if you're a regular attender and um, you're not bringing a friend, don't come to 9.30 or 11.30, okay? Um, Come to one of the earlier. So if you're bringing a friend, it doesn't matter. Come on. Anytime you bring a friend, come on. We also have a tradition service in the chapel, and that's at 9 a.m. on Easter Sunday. And so I know the Tascacita campus is a lot the same. You can connect online wherever you are in the world and experience one of these Easter services, but let your heart get ready for Easter by serving and inviting friends to Easter. This is a place of hope. And embrace the place that you're in. You see, you can embrace the moment you're in right now because God is embracing you at this moment. He loves you so much. Look at Exodus 3, 4. God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. So God calls Moses by name and he was saying, Moses, I haven't forgotten you. I know your name. I know where you are. That's why I met you here. I knew you would be here at this time. You're in just the right place for me to work a miracle in your life. Moses, I haven't forgotten you. You thought you messed up your life because you made the mess that brought you here, I knew you'd be here. I still have a plan for your life. I haven't forgotten you. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I still want to be, I still want you to be the deliverer, but this time you're going to do it my way with my power and my strength. And God says to you today, I haven't forgotten you. I know where you are. I know what you're going through and I love you. And I still have a plan for your life. You haven't ruined your purpose I still have a purpose for your life, and I'll even use your mess to be part of your message. I'll use your pain to be part of your purpose. God says, I know everything about you, and I still have a purpose for your life. I still have a plan, but this time I want you to do it my way with my power and my strength. But Moses still acts like he's in this place of it's all over because he makes all these excuses. Moses tells God, you got the wrong guy. God, remember, I tried to be the deliverer once, and I failed miserably. I don't want to do that again. So God, nope, pick someone else. And one of the excuses Moses makes is, God, the Egyptians aren't going to listen to me. Even the Israelites, my own people, won't listen to me. So if I go back to the Israelites and I tell them I'm supposed to be their leader and deliverer, they're going to say, well, who appointed you? Who sent you? Then Moses said, and by the way, if I do go, who should I say sent me? What's your name? And here's what God says in Exodus 3, 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God says, you want to know my name? The name that I like to go by best? My name is I am. I am. He was saying, Moses, I am the God of this present place. I am the God of the present tense. So Moses, you can stop regretting your past because my name is not I was, my name is I am. And Moses, you can stop fearing the future because my name is not I will be, my name is I am. I'm the God of the present. I'll give you the power in this present tension that you're in right now. I am the God of today. I am the God of the here and the now. I want to meet you here, now in this moment, in the place that you're in 
right now. And the great I am wants to meet you here and now in your moment, right where you are in this place. I'm so glad God is the God of the now. I don't need him five years ago. I need him now, desperately. And the amazing thing is, he says, my name is I am. And that's really my first name. So you can add the last name. He was saying, I am whatever you need. So what do you need? God says, I am whatever you need now. I am whatever you need in this present tense to overcome the present tension that you're in. I am whatever you need now. So what do you need now? Do you need peace in the middle of anxiety? God says, I am your peace. Is it finances that you're struggling with? Do you need provision? God says, I am your provision. Is it wisdom to make a decision because you're confused, you need to get direction because everything feels so uncertain? God says, I am your wisdom now. Is it strength? Do you feel worn out? You feel like you just don't have what it takes? You feel like you'll never be enough? God says, I am your strength now. What is it that you need? Is it healing? God says, I am your healer. Is it a wound in your heart that you feel like you'll never get through it? You'll always be in this place of pain with this hurt in your life. God says, I am your healer now. I'm so grateful that we have a God who is the great I am, a God of the here and the now who wants to meet you in this place, in this moment, right here, right now. The great I am says, I am whatever you need. Let's stand well in church and let's ask him for what we need most. He knows what you need most. Is it peace? He says, I am peace. I am your peace now. But you gotta do it my way this time with my power and my strength. Surrender it to me. Let go and then you take hold of all that I have for you. It's time to let go and it's time to take hold. And it's time to take a step forward because the worst mistake you can make in the place of in between is to get stuck, to stop moving forward. You just take a step of faith, a step of faith. And maybe you need to step into faith. You've never received Christ. You never let go of trying to be the Lord of your life, trying to be the CEO of your life and the universe, trying to control everything. And it's time for you to let go and receive Christ and his free gift of salvation. Or maybe you're Christ follower. And the next step for you is to join the church. And we have our membership class today at one. It's from one to three. We feed you. We take care of the kids. That's how you join the church. It's a great class. It's a baby step, but it takes you to a whole new level. Maybe it's believer's baptism. You're a Christ follower, but you've never been baptized to show that you are a Christ follower. We have baptisms every weekend in our heated baptistry pool. Just come down forward, and we got all the clothes everything. What is it? That's the next step for you. Is it starting a daily time with God, reading his word for 10, 15 minutes? Is it starting to tithe and put God first in your finances? I don't know what the next step is. Is it stepping out and inviting a friend and you're kind of uncomfortable with it? What's that next step? Take that next, don't get stuck in the place of in between. God's got a new level for you to go to. Let's pray to the great I am. Dear God, the great I am. Thank you that you're the God of the present tense. 
Lord, I, I need you now desperately. We need you now desperately. So many times we try to control everything and every one of us in some area of our lives are in a place that we don't wanna be, a place that we hate. We hate the place. We're trying to race past that place. But Lord, help us to bring it to you so we don't miss the miracle. And Lord, we hate the place, but we embrace the place by just saying, God, you know what's best. I don't like it, but you know what's best. And I know that you knew I would be here in this place so you could meet me here, get my attention, and turn me to you so I can experience your provision and peace. And Lord, I can experience your miracle and your blessings. So I thank you in advance that you're gonna bring me out of this place in your time. I'm just in the place of in between. All the great men and women of God went through it. Abraham went through it, Moses went through it, even Jesus went through it. Your son went through it, living the first 30 years of his life in obscurity in the place of in-between before started his earthly ministry. So Jesus, thank you for being our example and I thank you, Lord, that you have a miracle in the place of in-between. Lord, work the miracles right now. I don't know what people need, but great I am. I know that you're whatever, they need, that you're whatever I need, and so I just bring the need to you. We bring our needs to you, and we thank you that you have the power to meet them, and we ask you to work the miracle. Don't let us run past the place. Help us embrace the place and experience your miracle right now in this place, your miracle of peace and strength, miracle of a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Woodlands Church, I love you. And I thank God for you. I'm so excited moving toward Easter. If you haven't received Christ, receive Christ before Easter. And then you can celebrate that resurrection in such an amazing way. And so all you have to do is pray, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I give control to you. Forgive me of all my sins. You be my Lord. I've tried to be the CEO of my life and failed. I need you. I need you. And I want you to know you're not on hopeless ground. In whatever area that is, that place you're in, that you're so frustrated and it's so painful, you're not on hopeless ground. You're on holy ground. And that place is a place where God's gonna bring his hope. And I hear the rattling noise of hope. You may just barely hear it. It may sound like a whisper, but it's the rattling noise of hope as God's bringing you to life again. He's bringing your dreams back to life. He's bringing your hope back to life. He's bringing your heart back to life. I'm so glad that the resurrection happened because if not, there is no hope, but it did. Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered the grave. And he says that we are to let go and take hold of life and embrace the place and enjoy every moment and live for him every second. And that's when we find life and hope. Can you hear the rattling noise of hope? It feels like we live in a hopeless time, an uncertain time, but I know what is certain, Jesus Christ. He is the rock that will never be shaken. You are not on shaky ground, you're on solid ground because of the solid rock and he's alive. And let's sing that to him right now as a dedication to get our hearts ready for Easter so that we can go out and share the Easter story with everyone by bringing them here. Let's praise Jesus because he's alive. 
Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.